everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Talent Talk. My name is Jack Milliken, and I'm here with my... Oh, wait. I'm in a room by myself today. That must mean it's a solo show. But that's okay, because we're talking all about music with Mr. Lordy, Mr. Anderson, and our talent feature this week is on live music with cbtalent.com writer Sarah Louie. So, really excited for both of these conversations on this episode today. So, without further ado... Here's my conversation with Mr. Anderson and Mr. Lordy. All right, so I'm sitting here with Mr. Anderson and Mr. Lordy. How are you guys? Welcome to the podcast. It's Friday. I'm feeling great. Happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. So first question for both of you, we want to kind of talk about music consumption in the digital era and the streaming era. These are all big words. How did you guys consume music when you were in high school? You can start with Mr. Lordy. Um, when I was in high school... Napster and Kazaa were huge. Soulseek was huge, and it kind of blew people's minds that you could just r- rip all this, all these albums off of the internet. People would upload them and be like person to person sharing like that. And then yeah. would take take you know a few songs. I don't know how I would get some names of some artists, and I'd have one or two songs from each, and I'd put them on these like skating playlists, and just in my backyard, you know, have like some anti skip. CD players mm-hmm. and put it in my pocket and skate around in my backyard or just be in the hallway here up where the 700s are now listening to music. I mean, I, uh, like Mr. Lordy, ripped a lot of music. Mm-hmm. Uh, file sharing was really big, especially the beginning of my high school career. And it burned them all the CDs. And it wasn't like you were burning entire albums. You were burning individual songs and they could take anywhere from like two minutes to like three hours to download. <laughs> right. And... Uh, a lot of times, like, if you try to download an entire album, you'd have, like, a certain song that was missing. Or I remember, like, I downloaded uh, the Strokes album Room on Fire when it came out, uh, song by song. But one of the songs, I think it was Meet Me in the Bathroom, it was, like, a live cut that was not, it was a very poor quality. And I think I don't think I heard the actual, like, recorded studio version of that song until, like, three years later, just because <laughs> I could never find, like, the legit And that was the only version, version of that you had. Yeah. And so where were you ripping that from? Um, initially, uh, Kazaa was a big one. Uh, there was this file sharing program called Winamax. Winamax. Uh, I think that's what it was called. I never used that one. Um, uh, those, those were the big ones. My brother and I went through a variety of file sharing networks. Yeah. Uh, when one started to maybe infect the computer, we deleted it. <laughs> Did another one. But like Mr. Lordy uh, said, it really was kind of mind-blowing um, that you really could, anything you want um, was out there. And it was maybe the most formative t- formative tool in my um, uh, music listening lifetime. It, it pushed me in so many different directions uh, that bands I still listen to now that I, I think I still have the actual mp3s yeah it, it's so funny that you said that when you were trying to download the album like you got a live version like it seemed like in that era there were so many like songs that had not been named properly or like I remember I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about how Soldier Boy would like take his singles and like name them like really popular songs and so people would try and download the popular songs and then they'd like play them and then be like Wait, this isn't you know Enter Sandman by Metallica. Genius. This is this is yeah. Soldier Boy. What's going on? And that's how he kind of started to climb up the ranks. As people were like, "Well, I guess this isn't Metallica, but it's pretty decent." So, 
for the iGen kids, the people that are in high school right now, the, the, the kids that have only grown up with the internet, what is Napster? What is file sharing for those kids that are streaming their music now? Well, when before you could stream you know, large files like endlessly, thousands of times without any issue of bandwidth, you had to kind of capture it on your home PC yeah. and then somehow take it with you when you were on the go before there were MP3 players. You know, this was like, I didn't have an iPod until I was in college. And I was like, I was very behind the times. I was still like making cassette tapes because that was the only way you could do it. And you'd wait for your favorite song to come on the radio. I mean, this was early in my music career. Soon after that, you know, you had you would make these CDs and it, and and once you could do that it really freed you you know what i mean yeah. i feel like there wasn't always a huge at that time record stores were kind of awful you mm-hmm. know like there were changes in the way things operated where they only really carried top 40 music so if you wanted to find anything interesting out there you either had to go to the show and buy it from the artist yeah and there weren't really like a huge number of online distributors i think what's that one called in sound or something like that that was like the only place and if you you had to then wait for the thing to come in the mail and like <laughs> if you liked it that was great if you didn't you were kind of out of luck you know really? what I mean? the, so the, you, the other thing for for my brother and i you know the reason why we turned to file sharing networks is because in the late 90s like cds were legit 20 bucks and that's 20 dollars in like 1999 yeah and a lot of these cds would just you know, be a lot of crap. It would just be a lot of filler. There may be only like one or two or three songs that you really want to listen to on yeah. the CD. You don't want to pay $20 to listen to just one or two songs. Um, and when you're 12, 13, 14 years old, like you don't have any money. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's like, okay, well, I'm going to go where I can find, I'm interested in music. I'm passionate about music. I'm going to go to where it is. Right. right. And that's where we went. Yeah. I mean, now we don't really think of it as being a problem of like, you know, stealing from the artists because the artists that were hurting in that era were the artists that were making millions of dollars anyway. So if you could, you know, if I was a young independent artist like today and I wanted to put something out on SoundCloud, it was just like, all right, there you could go. Like Soldier Boy, like mis masking his track as, right. as like Inner Sandman or something. Totally. And, and that made things more available. It's kind of suited everybody. Like the way, how dysfunctional the record stores were at that time really fueled the indie culture because we were so angry that <laughs> things were just so, you know, just like this lack of trust. Like yeah. you weren't really putting the best of the best of it out there for me to consume. Right. You know? So you're consuming this digital content and you're moving away from CDs. When do you think, do you remember what the last CD you ever bought was? I'd have to think about that for a second. Honestly, but actually I bought CDs from bands until like around 2006. See, and I think that's acceptable, but like going to somewhere like Borders and putting on those headphones and like oh, yeah. scanning the CD. Yeah, and then they'd only play like a 30 second clip 30 of the song. 30 second clip of the song, the exactly. But like, you know, going out and like maybe like for my my age when I was really young, you know, going and buying a Katy Perry CD and, and listening to that in the car because there was no auxiliary that you could do or a tape to, you know, an iPod. Like, we were listening to those CDs from big artists because that was the only way that we could grab that music. Especially me as a young kid, like, not knowing how, uh, you know, Napster or any of those kind of services worked. When was the moment when it moved from putting the CD in and listening to it to oh, there's this other way that I can do it where, you know, I can I can make a mixtape of all these different songs, but digitally. 
I mean, I started making mixed CDs when I was in like seventh grade. Yeah. Which was around like 2001. Okay. And I had like bought CDs, like bands that I was really like passionate about or really excited or couldn't find a file sharing uh, <laughs> services or bands at shows that I would go to uh, or especially like local stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't think there was ever one specific moment. Um, it's just the way of like creating mixes and making them and making playlists for others just kind of evolved mm-hmm. as the years went on. Yeah. I, I think CDs were still a large part of my life because that's how I consumed music for such a long part of my adolescence that yeah. I would take the CDs once I had like, you know, an iPad or something I could, or, you know, once phones were sophisticated enough to you could put some music on it. And, you know, I remember working, you know, having kind of these boring jobs in college where you kind of had to have a playlist. So I would take the songs from the CDs and put them on. Yeah. It wasn't like I downloaded them to put on my devices. I had saved like, and I still have, you know, like a big cab booklet of these CDs that I mm-hmm. probably won't listen to because <laughs> since then I have uploaded them onto a hard drive or something like yeah. that. So it makes that media kind of useless for me. But definitely I bought CDs for my parents because that's the way that they consume music. Or yeah. sometimes I'll be at a thrift store and I'll see, wow, there's all these great CDs here that nobody's buying. And they're like, you know, they're practically giving them away. And it's like, okay, I'll, I'll have this for my car because my car still has a CD player mm-hmm. in it. And mm-hmm. it's sometimes easier for me to be able to play music that way, you know? Yeah, it's like cassettes, for instance. Like, if you go to a record store, you could find, like, a crate of all these just random cassettes for, like, 98 cents. I remember sure. a couple of years ago, I found a big band swing music kind of cassette. It was, like, all the greats. Uh, in like a little compilation tape. And I just thought that was so cool because like we are buying these older cars as teenagers not having any money and some of them still have tape players and a lot of people are getting the tape to auxiliary kind of connector and using it like that. But like finding those tapes and, you know, records and CDs at these stores and then being able to listen to them. It almost makes you feel good when you like are diving into a crate, finding this, buying it, listening and some records just sound great on cassette there are just certain certain bands certain sounds that just sounds really cool coming out of it that's true that's very true um a little shameless plug for mr lordy's band uh they i I saw a show and then you gave me a tape and i went and listened to it and i listened to your stuff on Bandcamp, and then on the tape and it it really did sound different and it almost sounded more fun on the tape because it's got that you know warm kind of grain to it well something kind of brings up something i want to talk about i think how people consume music now changes how people record music too absolutely a lot of the the mastering techniques or just like the engineering that goes from the start to finish is completely different now you Mm -hmm. know you'll notice that because people are listening to music on like earbuds more often their iphones or whatever the vote it's like it's mixed like a pop song where the vocals are really loud and because that carries kind of the message of the song and the tone and the attitude and a lot of the other instrumentation is sometimes seems like decoration. Yeah. But the way that I recorded that was to tape, you know, it makes sense that it would then translate really well to tape as a way that you could consume it. You know, it's a little disappointing that somehow like some, some things I'm not trying to fight the fight, this battle, like analog sounds better. It just changes a little bit the experience from start to finish, you know? So how do you guys consume music now? Like, what are you using to listen to music? Well, I'm a dinosaur compared (laughs) to, uh, my students. I still use an iPod. Okay. It's a pinwheel iPod that they don't even sell anymore. Um, and it's, it's, it just can hold all of my music. I mean, I have like 50 gigs, 60 gigs worth of music. Um, I don't have any music on my phone at all. 
I don't use Spotify on my None phone. None at all. None at all. I don't use Spotify or Apple Music on my phone. I'm the same way. I don't know. And, well, that's not true. I have a Spotify. And yeah. for me, the primary reason is because I want all of my music on one device because mm-hmm. um, I have a lot of it. Um, I like to listen to albums, not necessarily playlists. I think for me, like having music on my phone, the purpose of my phone to me is to like send messages and like make calls and, you know, occasionally check the gram when I'm in line at the DMV. Like I don't. I don't view, use it as a media device. I don't like watching YouTube on my phone. I don't like watching movies or TV shows on my phone. I don't like having music on my phone. I want it to be just like a separate device. Okay. I've just that's just the way I've always been. It's just my habits. My music habits are stuck in like 2006. So <laughs> I still use iTunes, yeah. um, which I apparently very few people use yeah, now. I've awful. just it, people are like I, it works for me. I've used it for the last 14 years, 15 years, pretty much. And I haven't really had too many issues with it, and I still use an iPod, and um, I don't listen to the the radio in the car. I just put the iPod on shuffle, and that's my personal radio because the radio to me is just too much advertisement, and it's too much stuff that I just don't care about and don't want to listen to. And (laughs) so my iPod is my it's curated, and I think that's the one thing that links me to um, music today. The way students listen to music is. It's self-curated. It's what you want to listen to. And yeah. I think that's the best benefit of the streaming era. It's, it's, they do have the Spotify playlists, but ultimately it's, it's, you have full control of your music. And I think that freedom is the best part of the streaming era. Mm-hmm. I really admire that. I, f- I have to say that I go, um, even though I'm slightly older than you, I tend to consume a lot of media the same way that my students do, which is through YouTube and through Spotify. And I really actually really value those resources because it allows me to be exposed to some new music that I otherwise wouldn't be exposed to. Yeah. But in the same respect, I do also, and I was just like this last weekend thinking about getting rid of all of my vinyl, but I, I, I didn't thankfully. And I really, I still listen to records and mm-hmm. you know, it's something that that's what takes me back to listening to albums because when I consume music through the streaming services, yeah, it's just like one or two songs in a playlist that I have curated yeah, or, uh, or it's curated for me according to some logarithm. And a lot of times I'm like actually quite happy with what they have managed to find for me. Sometimes mm-hmm. not so much, but it's like, that's the time when I'll sit down and listen to an entire record. Yeah. First of all, my record player doesn't have like auto returns. You have to like pay attention to it. So it doesn't keep spinning forever and ever and ever. <laughs> but that, experience of listening to to records is interesting to me too because then I get to share that with my whole family because it's kind of like a family activity and my daughter lists the music and yeah. dances along to it or sometimes you know like yeah. it changes the experience a little bit so I, I I do both you know my feet are in both camps like I I would love to be more like Mr. Anderson in that respect listening to whole albums on my iPod but mm-hmm. I don't do that often enough but having access to Spotify sometimes enables me to listen to the whole album and then listen to all the live cuts afterwards that are yeah. like recorded around the same time. So sometimes it enables you to go a little deeper, mm-hmm. but most of the time it's just a very shallow experience yeah. in that way. No, I agree. I, I kind of pull from both of you. I use iTunes as well, but only because when I DJ, I have to use a program called Serato where you need to own the MP3 files in order to mess with them. So I have to own all of that music, but you know, my iTunes is littered with 
you know, club remixes of Ariana Grande instead of like actual stuff that I really like listening to. It's hard to put it on shuffle then. Right. Exactly. You know, you're shuffling and you get some rap song into like some Jason Aldean because, you know, you did a wedding two years ago that wanted some country music. Like it's just, it's all over the place. So I have to use it more as a tool than something that I can listen to. But I also listen to vinyl, you know, as a teenager, it almost seems like it's the in thing to do right now. In order to be a trendy, kind of hipstery teenager, you have to be listening to vinyl. You have to be enjoying all the old classics. And I really try and jump away from that. I feel like it's something that, you know, is only there for social status. I really do enjoy listening to these records on vinyl. Like something like Odessa, for instance, A Moment Apart, which came out last year. They have still pressed it to vinyl because of this resurgence and the amount of people who like listening to it. It's really more of an experience listening to it because you get to do it all the way through. And even though sometimes it almost can sound better on some sort of digital platform, like I was listening to an album last week, Maddion's The Adventure, and I bought that on vinyl and I was like, this sounds a little bit different. And I clicked over to Spotify And it sounded much fuller and crisper, but I still like listening to it on the vinyl because it forces me to listen to the whole thing and it makes it more of an experience. So I completely understand what you're saying there, but it's interesting to what you said about listening to singles instead of albums. The biggest disconnect I have with my students when it comes to listening to music is that so many of them have what I call aux ADHD, Yeah. which is they'll listen to a song for like 30 seconds or a minute, then they'll change it to the next song. And I, I know people my age who have started to do that as well, that just kind of, okay, all right, let's, especially in a group setting, they mm-hmm. just want to move on to like the next song. And there is something special about like sitting with a record for, for, for a long time and, and bathing in it and repeating, listening to it over and over again. Yeah. Um, it, what you were talking though about vinyl makes me wonder if, that the CD is ever going to make a comeback is like an <laughs> ironic way because CDs are, are really, that's, I think that's the highest sound quality there is um, out of all the formats. I remember reading something about that. Yeah. Um, and I like CDs. I, CDs obviously died a long time ago, but it, I didn't realize it until maybe two years ago where I made a, a CD for one of my students of, of some songs. And I'm like, oh, have you listened to it? And he's like, yeah, but only when I drive because that's, the only place that there's a CD player. We don't have a CD player in my house. And I was yeah. like, oh, CDs are dead. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think CDs are going to come back the way vinyl has come back. It's I, almost like a tangible thing. Yeah. Well, and it's also, you know, a full format too. You have the artwork that's, you know, four times bigger. You have, yeah. you know, the record, which, you know, somebody had to spend a lot of money to go and have this done, you mm-hmm. know, to actually put this to wax. But I think going back to like what uh, that album you, re- you mentioned that, was put on vinyl and you listen to it on Spotify. It's like some 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 genres don't really translate that well. Or, you know, it could have like come from the digital master and then was just sent to the pressing plant and it wasn't really mastered for vinyl. It's like a whole different mastering technique that should go into it. Yeah. And stuff like that. I, I think there is a little bit of pretentiousness going into it. I think it's interesting that like one of the largest sellers of vinyl right now is Urban Outfitters. So instead of going to like a legitimate record store, you're going to the store that also sells you like tchotchkes for your room and like it's you decorate your college <laughs> it's an aesthetic that way yeah it's an aesthetic yeah. but for me not to try and 
play off myself off as some OG, but my parents had the, all these records that they had collected from when they were a kid, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of them were like the Kingston Trio or or like um, uh, you know old classic rock albums, and but that's kind of how I listened to a lot of my first music was kind of like you know insisting that my parents put on these these old records that they had so yeah. i feel like it's kind of a return back to that but also just coming from like the diy and punk culture that i was really obsessed with when i was in high school having your record like your own music on that meant that you had you'd made it you know what i mean like you <laughs> that was you know you, you and tapes are cool because they're very easy to actually yeah, you, you can make copies of tapes really easily and you, it only costs a couple hundred dollars but like the vinyl, the like the the minimum threshold for a seven inch is like still seven hundred dollars, you know, and that's only yeah. for a hundred copies, you know, and that you can, you know, it's 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 like it's it's like official, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, it almost feels like you've made it completely right. yeah. when that happens. Yeah, it's like a true, it's truly something to celebrate. I'm curious where you go to find new music now because it seems like in this streaming era with something like Spotify's Discover Weekly and. Personally, I use Spotify, so I don't know exactly how Apple Music works, but I know Apple Music also has a service that kind of algorithm curates a playlist every week of stuff that the computer thinks that you will like. Does that change the way that you're listening to the music? Are you listening to a bunch of singles in a playlist and then not going back and listening to the album? I mean, for me, it's it hasn't changed that much. And for me, it, it comes down to who do I trust? Yeah. And whether that's a friend or a critic or another band whose taste I really admire, mm-hmm. uh, any of those three saying, hey, this is a band that you should check out, I'll check out. The, the you know, I do fall victim to, I'll listen to the single and be like, ah, and, uh, and I'll end up missing out. I'll come back to that band later and be like, oh, wow, like that was a really amazing. The single sounds nothing like, like the rest of their music. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for me, it hasn't, hasn't changed that much again it still comes down to word of mouth just the platform for word of mouth is so different now with mm-hmm. with social social media uh, these days so i think the busier i've become as an adult word of mouth isn't as effective for me and for like a person-to-person sense because i'm not just hanging out with my friends all of the time with a family and work and all that stuff yeah. but i do still consume new recommendations via friends through social media like you know, a band that I like will play with X, Y, Z band. And I'll be like, Oh wow. You know, like-minded people tend to flock together. And Mm -hmm. so if I recognize in one group of people, like some tastes that I really respond to, they tend to have a circle of people that's around them that they play with it, you know, and, or just going to shows and being like, okay, I'm going to come to this with an open mind and see what I like. And, um, sometimes that opens up new things i i do like spotify will recommend some things to me and I'll, I'll be into that or also spotify is a good way for me to go back and be like oh yeah what's that that band perubu like some people were talking about them forever and i'll get to go listen to like three or four of their albums without having to actually go buy it you right. know and i can kind of taste things that way still people will recommend records to me and i like that or i'll go you know there's certain labels that have like consistently put out yeah. really yes. good they music and you well. just be like, oh, okay, everything that this label does, I'm going to like it. You know, I might not be stoked about it. Some things I'll like more than the others, but yeah. like they definitely like are very like taste curators. So. And, and I know in talent, I encourage students, you know, when you read articles online, look at the byline, look who's writing it and see, yeah. you know, who, who is the author so I can return to this. And I think it's the same thing for music. You know, look at the labels. Like if, yeah. if you notice the same label that's putting out all these these great bands, like, I know for me that's been an avenue to a lot of great new music. Yeah. Do you either any of you follow Anthony Fantano and the Needle Drop? 
I'm familiar with his work. Are you a I'm fan? not. I'm not a huge fan. But, yeah. Um, but I know he's turned a lot of people on to uh, a lot of different music. He's definitely one of the most influential uh, record critics right now, and I think he's he's interesting. He's really into like Death Grips and really into. To me, it seems like very heady machismo, um, avant hip hop, and other yeah, you know, sorts of say, experimental music. Death Grips kind of moves into a completely new sort of old sounding genre Sacramento of Zone. Sacramento yeah. Zone for sure. Right, for sure. Um, but anyway, it's like, you know, he he he's if you haven't paid attention to his YouTube channel, it like it's kind of seems like it's part of the fo- like extension of 4chan almost sometimes, but <laughs> it's interesting and funny and and he is very sh- like he's he's an he, he, he's a careful listener. He'll review an entire album and take it apart rather than just being like, here's a track that was released. And a lot of articles about music tend to be seeming like they've been copied and pasted from the publisher. You see the same, yeah. the same language. It, it's like a little too positive. You Writing know about I mean? music not very is so critical. hard. Yeah. 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 I, I tried it for a while. It was like not, first of all, it's kind of thankless. Yeah. And uh, second of all, it's like it's, it, it changes your relationship to music. It's hard not way. to fall into cliche talking yeah, about it right, as well. Right, exactly. You kind of find like you're scraping the bottom of your your like adjective pool too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just music, listening to music is such a personal experience right. that it's so hard to translate into words. And it makes it know? really hard to critique as well. Once you get to a specific point, it seems like everything's an artistic choice. It's no longer like, oh, that sounds like kind of a beginner sort of not professional sound. It, everything is done for a specific reason. People almost make it sound like that because it's got art behind it. Like, there's just brand new ways of thinking about music like that. And now we're getting into this whole existential <laughs> music conversation, which I love. But I wanted to ask one more question. Just, this is a, a question and an answer. You're not thinking about this at all. But if there's one song that can define your teenage years from either a record, a tape, a Napster playlist, you know, something, and I'm, you're not thinking about it, it's the first song that comes to your head. Anderson, go. The first one that comes to my head was, um, and this doesn't really have to do with the way I consume music, but uh, the song Spiders, Kid Smoke by Wilco. Uh, Wilco is one of my favorite bands of all time. That's a good call. And uh, A Ghost is Born that came out when I was a sophomore in high school. And that was the first record to them that I listened to. Um, That's probably the band I've listened to the most in my life. Mm -hmm. And that song in particular is, it's an 11-minute song. And it was like kind of the first 11-minute song I ever listened to. And it goes in a lot of different genres. And it starts slow and it builds and it slows down. And then it builds even more into this huge crescendo. And I remember, I just remember listening, burning that to a CD and listening to that um, uh, over and over. And I think I remember downloading it and it taking it like a half an hour because it was an 11 <laughs> minute song to download. Uh, so for me, uh, that's kind of the song and, and record that, that that was a very formative record for me. That's an also another one of those albums where one of the songs, it was a live cut. Oh, <laughs> and, really? And I didn't hear, I think it was Late Greats on that album. That I didn't hear the real version of it until like a couple of years later. So. That's really funny. So or, that's that's an impossible question, but that's the first thing yeah, I thought of. Yeah, no, so. absolutely. And that was the point is it was impossible. Lordy, I gave you a little bit more time because you got to think about it while Anderson was talking. But Yeah. 
Oh, I, you know, I did. I'm going to mention two songs in an album. The first song is um, Six Pack by Black Flag, which I don't even know how. Great song. I, like, it's tongue in cheek, right? It's mm-hmm. not about, it doesn't really glamorize drinking, all right, Christian Brothers. Um, <laughs> but it, but I just, one of the first songs I learned to play on guitar, very simple riff, like oh, straight to cool. the point. It's probably like a minute and 20 second song. And then Cut Your Hair by Pavement. Another great song. Yeah, it was one of the first songs I downloaded on uh, through a streaming service. And those two songs are sl- very different, but they kind of like, kind of characterized my taste in music at that period of time. And mm-hmm. then an album. I watched this documentary that HBO put out on Elliot Smith, um, and the album Either Or was really important to me in high school too. Um, so yeah, that's that's that. I think we get co- so caught up in the streaming thing. I still think it's important to support live music yeah. um, and bands who tour and buy their merch, um, and to occasionally buy records, especially from independent and and local artists. Shout out to Elordi's Elordi's uh, band as well. Yes, um, because for the for these bands, you know. We we listen on Spotify and maybe they tour and they're popular, but so many of these bands that are touring, at least at the, at the club level, like are barely scraping by. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, music—it's uh, important to support music. Uh, and we may think by streaming, you know, oh, we're supporting the band, but they're really not making a lot of money, yeah. if any money at all, through streaming. Yeah. So it's important to go to shows, whether it's big concerts or or local clubs or or local spaces. And when you're there, you know, buy the music, buy the tape, buy the CD, buy the vinyl. Um, Bandcamp is my favorite streaming service because the artists get the biggest chunk and yeah. and it's direct. Uh, and I support that. Uh, so just continue to support music financially. Well, there's something to be said for live music and openers as well. Yes. Like I support think the openers. that opening acts are a perfect way of finding brand new music that you'll love. If you love this band and the band is backing these opening acts that they're bringing with them on tour, that's that's a brand new source of music for you to listen to. I- um, tapping off that, I, I do think buying anything you know and what what you get then is an artifact too of that experience which is another thing that i wish i had done more often is bought a t-shirt for every cool band that i saw just as an artifact that not that i probably would have room in my closet for them anyway but just (laughs) like or even like after you're done with the show keeping a little journal about it um if it's important enough to you um also i think it's important to seeking out venues that are a little bit not Typical, like um, Ace of Spades is having some great shows, and I've had a lot of good time going there. But there's also like Red Museum in town or Shine Cafe. Um, Capital Garage is no longer available anymore, but Soul some Collective of those, is another great uh, Soul, collective, Soul Collective, yeah. Space. Um, uh, Holy Diver is another good spot that just yeah, that's all ages now too, huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, and and just kind of like being being open to those um, bands that may not have like a super big. Um, following but they're coming through town and mm-hmm. if you you know can can go enjoy them safely and and consume some of their music it'll definitely be an experience like um no other yeah yeah absolutely well anderson alordi thank you guys so much for being on this episode of the podcast thanks for having me absolutely my, my pleasure so now we move on to our talent feature of the week we're sitting here with sarah louie who wrote an article this week about live music what's going on hi Hi. So, tell us a little bit about your article. Um, it was my first article, so I didn't really know what to like write about. Okay. And so the the easiest thing to write about, I guess, that was like 
for me uh, was the music mm -hmm. part of it. So um, we tried to do something that could relate to CV. So I did like the best concert. We were thinking about the best concerts in SAC and it kind of just like went down to just like some, not the best concerts, but like some CB's students or faculty's favorite concerts, like Mr. Mr. Alerty or, or like Lily, who I interviewed. Yeah, for, for sure. So what was the inspiration behind writing this piece? My inspiration behind writing the piece, um, I'm not sure if there was an inspiration. It was just like, it was like music is just a really cool and easy thing to talk about. Very much so. So, and it was my first article, so I d wasn't really sure like what's okay to say, what's okay to write about. Okay. So I, I just like winged it with music because I knew it was like a safe option for me mm -hmm. to like write about. Yeah, that's cool. And you were telling me before we started recording this, you've been to probably between five to 15 which is a little bit of a range yes where that do you is think you're five uh, to 15 maybe i probably have only been to like 10 concerts okay we'll count that. 10 or 11 something like that okay and there so probably 10 to 15 not five <laughs> that's a yeah that was a big range <laughs> and out of all of those concerts out of the 10 we'll we'll say 10 plus we'll yes. make you sound really cool yes we'll say 10 we'll plus. Make, yeah uh what would have what's been your favorite my favorite concert was probably either Hippie Sabotage or this band called Sad Girl, which is kind of like low key. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I'm not sure if many people know that band, but Hippie Sabotage was really, really fun. When did you go to Hippie? Was it last week? Yeah, that Wednesday? was last week. I saw my wristband. That's awesome. On. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the cool things about live music and shows is they're like experiences that have tangible things. Like yes. You can go buy merch. You mm -hmm. can have these wristbands on for yeah. a week or so after. You know, it's like it gives you more of that physical yeah. sense of the music. You can have like a little sentimental value, which is like in your head or they threw like a shirt in the in the crowd and I caught it. Yeah. One of them. Yeah. So that was cool to have. That's with really me. cool. Yeah, that's super cool. So I think... The cool thing about Sacramento, too, is the fact that we have Ace of Spades, which mm -hmm. is actually... Ace of Spades amazing. Yeah. It's owned by House of Blues, and it's an all-ages venue mm -hmm. where we get some really great artists. Yeah, we do. Like, for Sacramento, I think a lot of people don't think, like, oh, like, they won't come here. But I'll, we get a lot of, like, good low-key bands, or not even low-key, like, like in Ace of Spades, it's really, like, intimate with people. Oh, like, totally. Like, you can be, like, really up there with these people that you're, like, listening to in your room, like, all the time. Yeah. And it's, it's like, really, like, it's really intimate with, like, at Ace of Spades. It's really cool. And it's kind of fun to watch, like, the progression of artists. Like, mm -hmm. they'll come to Ace of Spades, and then yes. you're like, oh, snap, they just got big. Now yeah, Ace so of Spades is no not on their tour. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Yeah, so it's, uh, that also... Uh, it brings me back to the point that was like Billie Eilish is coming really soon yes. at Ace of Spades and that show sold out. But like, yeah, sadly, this is going to be like the one and only time mm -hmm. she's ever going to come because yeah. she's blowing up so yeah. much right now. I was super where. surprised to hear that she was playing at Ace of Spades because she's like really big yeah. for Ace of Spades. There's been a couple shows like that. Uh, Gene Iko is another one that, mm -hmm. that played at Ace of Spades. There's just so many great artists that kind of, it almost seems like in their earlier kind of starting tours, They've come to Ace of Spades. Yes. Like we got to see Lewis the Child twice. Yes, that was really good. And now on their Dear Sense tour, they're nowhere close to Sacramento. Cause really? Yeah, because they're too oh. big now. Now they got to be a giant. Uh, I think they're at the Mas Masonic in San Francisco. That's the closest. That yeah, they're kinda. they're definitely getting way bigger. Yeah, totally. All right, so we're talking about Ace of Spades. Are there any other venues that you've been to that you were like, whoa, this is super cool? Um, 
at, we saw um okay we I saw swimmers at Holy Diver. Oh, that's sick. I think sick. that's the name of it. That Holy Diver I thought was really cool. Okay. Too. Yeah, I thought they that just was a really cool venue. They converted that into an all ages place. Yeah. Uh, really recently because it used to just be a, a bar, but mm-hmm. the fact that they're having shows there now is super. Yeah, cool. it's like upstairs. It's like this like it's pretty small room. It's like a classroom size. So that's also really cool if that's you're seeing awesome. like. Yeah, it's like you're right up there with them. Yeah, like sw- and swimmers is is sick because like they've played at music festivals. Like I yeah, remember they played at, um, at Bottle Rock. Bottle Rock, yeah. Were you at that Bottle Rock? No, I w- I wish <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> that was that was pretty sick because it was like swimmers and then there was like Hippocampus was yes, there too. Yes, that's that was that all, was cool to hear. All that. on that intimate stage. Oh, and um, what's a, one of Lily's favorite bands? Um. Uh, bad sons. Yeah, bad sons. I'm not a fan of. I j- I really? can't I can't ever vibe with them. I don't. It's, wow. I don't know why. I just I can't. I think <sighs> it's because Lily and Ruby overplayed them so much. <laughs> I cannot hear them anymore. I feel that for sure. No, I think it's really cool though that there's all these different places, like even in Sacramento, that give you a whole different experience. Yeah, and a vibe. crazy. It's like crazy. Yeah. Have you been to any music festivals yet? I have not. I've never been to. I don't think I have. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I don't, I'm like. Yeah, I don't think I've been to any like music festivals. I really wanted to go to um, Treasure Island, but Treasure Island's lineup this year looks sick. It, and lo- it does. Uh, the talent staff, executive producer Mr. Anderson and I were trying to get media passes to go to to Treasure Island really? this year, but we that unfortunately that would be ASAP Rocky's there. Yeah. I mean, I, that, Tame Impala. That would be really. Oh my gosh, Silk City, which is Diplo and Mark Ronson mm-hmm. together. It'd be so. That'd sick. be crazy to see all of them there like at once. I was really surprised to see ASAP Rocky was yeah. there. Yeah, Rocky. Rocky's like the big headliner there. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we got denied, so we're really? gonna just have to buy real tickets if we're gonna go. But I don't <laughs> think we'll end up going. Yeah. So it's interesting to see with the live music culture as kind of it continues to keep up with the times it seems like the electronic scene is almost like embracing the music festival culture because Mm -hmm. they have like these night shows where you have like six or seven different artists playing out on one night and it's kind of like one show rave if you want to call it that but we don't call it that because parents get scared of the word rave Rave. but really (laughs) it's just this amazing visual audio soundscape yeah. of masterpiece and i don't know it's just it's kind of interesting how the uh with openers and kind of supporting acts it seems like the electronic culture is moving more towards that music festival lineup in one night sort of situation yeah i see i i think i i think i see that i'm i j- yeah I, j- I just said to you i'm kind of being introduced to this whole like edm and, yeah like, electronic like music and culture but i like uh, most of the like um those all, like they all like can play back to back with like complimenting each other, complimenting each other. Yeah. So that like each one can keep going on, mm-hmm. and that you're still like, like there and hyped for like, the entire. Yeah. I- totally, because I think like with music festivals, it almost seems like sometimes you'll get like a rock band back to back with like a electronic group, yeah. and then like some like random jazz mm-hmm. thing. Like, it's, it's all over the place. And so the fact that, you know, everything is condensed into one show and they kind of play off of yeah. each other. Sometimes they'll even play the same music. Yeah, exactly. And it's like it can, like EDM like EDM music or like electronic can all like kind of sound the same sometimes. Yeah. But like I think it like when, when they are all like playing at once, it's like it's really cool to just like hear like the different types and like the culture of it kind of. Like it's mm-hmm. like a lot more than just like 
these like weird sounds and this yeah totally like they can they they really like bring something out I yeah guess. no i think that's i think that's perfect so final question for you where are you finding all of these shows how are you getting to all these different places where you can find this live music um well honestly there's this app <laughs> called ba- ba- bands in town and um it like it can connect to your Spotify or mm-hmm. your like Apple Music, so I have it connected to my Spotify. Mm-hmm. So like any like music that it like any like bands or like artists that it sees that I listen to, if it's like near SAC yeah. or coming like around like in SAC, it like automatically alerts me. That's cool. So yeah, and I can just look at that to see if they're like if they're playing in like San Francisco, it'll show me still. Mm-hmm. So those are where like me and my friends mostly get all where all the shows are coming over, we'll listen, we'll like, we'll pay attention, like their announcements on Instagram or something. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And you were also saying that a lot of the shows that you're going to are influenced by your friends. Just yeah. Being like, let's go. And yeah. Let's all of us will like tell each other, let's all go to this and yeah. like, you'll like it. Like, even if you're not into like with EDM music, I wasn't really into it when I went and was still like the best night of my life. Like, yeah. Like, that you're like, it's really cool with all your friends, like telling you come and like going with your friends all to one, like, big music event is really fun yeah that's super cool we'll make sure to find sarah's article on cbtalent.com thanks so much for being on the show thank you for having me of course and that about wraps up this week's episode of talent talk thank you so much for listening and be sure to find us on itunes spotify google play stitcher all the places you can get your podcast share with a friend give us a review on itunes let's see all of these fun things i can ask you to do oh Make sure to send us an email over at talenttalkpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Love to read some of those questions on the show. We'd love to hear your feedback. And we'd love some new music for our Talent Tune segment. With that, I'm Jack. And this has been Talent Talk.